I pulled into the studio with my USB microphone. I just need some place where I can record an EPM episode. Hey, mister, can you tell me where a man might find an audio plug-in? He just grinned and shook my hand and said, your kid might as the original wave rider. Record a podcast, Johnny. Record a podcast with me. Record a podcast, Johnny. Put it on the podcast feed. I picked up my bag. I went looking for a place to record a new episode. When I saw Carmen and the Devil, they said, Hey man, are you kid Midas, the original Wave Rider? We love you. I said, Hey Johnny, come on, let's go downtown. We'll go to the Podcast Hall of Fame. I bet they have an exhibit about us because we're number one. Record a podcast, Johnny. Record a podcast with me. Record a podcast, Johnny. And you put it on the podcast feed. Yeah. Mm. That was beautiful, man. Thanks. Election profit makers, y'all. Doesn't get any better than this. Sounded great. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? It's us. Yeah. Hi. The band. The band? The band is the name of the group that recorded the original version of that song I just sang, which is called The Weight. See what I mean? And what's what's Big Pink? That's their record. Remember last week someone said that I sold them a copy of that record song? I have to. It's the first album by this famous rock group called The Band. Right. And they were called The Band, I think, because they were actually Bob Dylan's backing band. Seriously? Yeah, man. That's rock and roll history. That's a legacy of, of music right there. That's yeah, why rock and roll is so great. There's so many great stories. Like, did you know that Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin? This is true, actually. I read this last night, and this is true. I'm not doing a bit. Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin was really into, like, Aleister Crowley and, like, all this, like, magic witchcraft kind of stuff. And he would go to a bookstore in California and buy all these esoteric books. He had a huge collection of this kind of stuff, like spells and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then one time, some guy came over to his house and was looking at the books in his library and said and started reading one of the books, which was written in what Jimmy Page thought was this made-up language of mystical magic that no one could translate. It was Hebrew. <laughs> He had bought a book that was just written in Hebrew. Jimmy Page had been like, oh, on my stars, this must be a witch language that's never been translated. Then some, I guess, Jewish guy came over to his house and was like, oh, you have this book, blah, 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 the Kabbalah or whatever it is, you know? And then Jimmy Page was so frustrated. That's kind of, that's a good story, right? That is an interesting story. That's rock and roll right there. That's rock and roll 101. Well, 101. Well, Probably rock and roll 101 would probably be, yeah, the, the... Yeah, maybe that is maybe that is rock and roll 101. They say the heart of rock and roll is in Cleveland, but from what I've seen, I believe them. Now the old one bed may be better breathing, but the heart of rock and roll, the heart of rock and roll is still beating. It's in Cleveland, and that's um, Bob Seger. Is that true? Yep, I think so. Yeah, the Silver Bullet Band, the only rock group that was also Werewolf Hunters, John. And there we go, ladies and gentlemen, the first joke of the episode. 
The what's interesting about Bob Seger and his Silver Bullet band is they're the first rock band that were also werewolf hunters. You get it? Because I think you get it. I don't have to explain it. Yeah, I got it. Or you right. could say they were beer drinkers. Why? Because Coors is a silver <gasps> bullet. Oh, is that what it means? Yeah. They love. Let's do this from now on. Let's treat our audience like adults, and I'm no longer going to over-explain all my jokes. You either get them or you don't. How about that? Okay. I'm tired of saying a hilarious joke and then taking a beat to explain it. I think at this point, we risk our audience thinking that we don't believe in their intelligence. So from now on, let's speak only of intelligent matters without explanation. Okay. All right. And that Fine. shall be our watchword. How about that? Yep. Watchword? What are you? A watch repairman with a large library of books? Watchword. Now, that one I am going to explain because that's a little difficult, even for the smartest people on earth. That joke, see, combines watch and word. And a watch repairman, obviously, would have experiences with watches. And if he had a large library of books, that would mean he was surrounded by words. And so watchword. And there you see the joke. There's an internal logic there that you can follow if you're intelligent. Um, you John, let's turn to our predicted portfolios. Oh, you don't uh, have one of those anymore, do you, Johnny? No. Well, I do. Talk to me about what's going on. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Let's skip what? this part. It's the same every week. Trump just goes up and up, and I'm, I'm more and more underwater. Yeah. Jacques Cousteau, I'm coming for your ass. Not going to explain that one. I'm more and more underwater, John. I'm down $130 on my $400 <laughs> investment. What happened with Ron DeSantis? He's really not going to run, is he? Even though He's 10,000 leagues under the sea. Oh, there we go. There we go. Jules Verne has logged on, right? Captain Nemo. Is it 10,000 leagues under the sea? Does that have a connection to Disney or was that- uh, They have a ride called 10,000 leagues yeah, under the sea. An right. underwater ride. Is the, but they got rid of it. And now it's the little Nemo ride. Really? Yeah. How'd you know that? I went to Disneyland a few years ago. Okay. What about Disney World? Wait, which one is in- I went to the one Dis in California. Yeah, that's Disneyland. Disney World is the one that's no longer going to exist. Well, when I was a child, I went to the one in – I went to Disney World and I went to Epcot Center. And I think I yeah. went to Disney World twice in my life. You want to do a podcast about Disney World? That's probably lucrative. Disney is huge. And do you think yeah. there's any podcasts about Disney? Like two guys, they go to Disney World yeah. and they rate the rides and they say – Yeah. Yeah, at Epcot Center, you really want to avoid the German – world and go straight to Belgium world because they have really good waffles. It's actually one of the best deals in Epcot Center. There's got to be podcasts about Disney World, right? I don't think Epcot has has countries. Uh, remember Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? I went on it at Disneyland like three years yeah, ago. I went on it too and did not drive very well. I don't think you I don't think you're I had a lot of, of accidents. Vehicle. Are you in control of the vehicle? Well, that was the joke in my family, was that John was a oh. really poor driver. Maybe uh, making a Disney World podcast is harder than it seems. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do it. I'm already really struggling. Like, Okay. Did you buy a keychain of Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse? Hmm, what else could you say? Did you know that at Disney World, the cement on the ground is actually rubbery so that you don't get fatigued when you walk around? Is that true? Yeah. That's how Sam got 40,000 steps. Exactly. I didn't know that he was yeah. cheating. Yeah. Our friend Sam went to Disneyland 
and got very close to achieving 40,000 steps, he texted us from his hotel room that night and we said, bro, you got to get out of bed and walk around the block because when are you ever going to have a chance to get 40,000 steps again? And he did it. He got out of bed and put on his clothes and put on his shoes and went outside and walked around until he broke 40,000 steps. And the reason he was able to do that is because after spending a day at Disneyland, where they have engineered the surface of the sidewalks to be bouncy and rubbery to reduce fatigue, he still had enough pep in his step to break that glorious 40K mark. And that's called Imagineering, John, because everyone who works at Disneyland is called an Imagineer, okay? Uh And the people who dress up as Goofy and Snow White are called cast members. Mm -hmm. I learned all this. Now, it's actually good that we're doing a Disney podcast because Disney is in the news because Ron DeSantis has announced he's going to build like a huge prison right next door to Disney to troll Disney. And then Disney turned right around and had a tweet that said, we're going to have a Friday late night that's going to be really gay, Disney after dark. And Wait it's going to be really gay. They they did not do they that. They tweeted that the day – this all happened yesterday. Wait a minute. Now yeah. you're joking. I'm not joking. Look, I'll find it right now. No. Yeah. They said Disney, it's going to be really gay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search Disney, Twitter, <laughs> the, the, Let's see what I can find here. Um. Okay, here it is. So yesterday, 23 hours ago, Disney tweeted, the first ever Disneyland after dark Pride night is coming to Disneyland during Pride Month in June. This separately ticketed event celebrating the LGBTQIA plus community and allies will have themed entertainment, Disney characters, specialty menu items, and more. This is a real war that's going on between DeSantis and Disney, the two, the two Ds of Florida. I don't know who to root for and who to root against. I suppose I have to root against Ron DeSantis. I will tell mm. my listeners that as a Gen Xer and former punk rock music listener to her, I'm not a huge fan of Disney. But in this case, I think it is kind of funny that they're just going so hard at Ron DeSantis. What is DeSantis thinking? Does, is, is, is he thinking this is going to bump him in the – this is desperate. I can't tell anymore. Like the anti-trans stuff does seem pretty unpopular. Like among normal people, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. The people who – this is another classic case where it feels like a lot of like responsible centrist democratic pundits think so little of normal Americans. They're like, oh, this is very dangerous. DeSantis could really capture the mood here by inspecting <laughs> right. girls' genitals before they go play sports. The average right. American really wants this because the woke mob is going too far. And then they do these polls and Americans are like, are you fucking crazy, Ron DeSantis? Leave us alone. Then people are like Jonathan Shader, like, um, I don't know. This is very concerning. He's found a weakness in the Democrats. Democrats right. should pivot to being anti-trans. I don't know. No. I don't know. I don't know what the truth is. No, the truth is that it, it well, it's obviously the wrong thing to do because it's just cruel. Uh, but Morally, it's, it's the, the wrong thing to do. But John, electorally, he might have found a wedge issue here. No, no. Electorally, it's the wrong thing to do. I mean, look at HB2 in North Carolina. That was not a win for the Republicans here. That was a huge loss in the end for them. HB2 is was what known as the bathroom bill. I think it was the nation's first bathroom bill that was introduced mm-hmm. by the Republican governor of North Carolina. And that was 2016. Right. And there was a big backlash to it here. Um, so I don't know why they would think that seven years later that the country would become more 
transphobic. As long as we're just talking here on our Disney podcast, and we don't usually get political on our Disney podcast, but in this instance we will. There was this article in the New York Times, how a campaign against transgender rights mobilized conservatives. There was this group, like the reason that Republicans are talking about trans people now is because once everyone got used to gay marriage and, and people being gay and like, who gives a shit? The Republican fundraising organizations were like, well, how are we going to raise money now? We can't raise it on gay people. We can't raise it on abortion. We overturned Roe v. Wade. They just like focus grouped different wedge issues and trans won. They're like, well, I guess we're anti-trans now because that's how we'll make money. Like it's truly just like a fundraising ploy. Do you know what I mean? It's like us wow. with our fucking Patreon Patreon premiums, you know, like, hey, we're going to do a watch party. Maybe people will like watch parties. It's like that. It's You're that do pathetic, another watch but it's about trip. trans people's lives and stuff. It's really wild. Like, I think a lot of these people don't really care about trans people. I think Ron DeSantis. Now, hold on to your hat, John, because it's going to blow your mind. I think no. Ron DeSantis probably doesn't really care about trans people. What do you mean he doesn't care? Like he doesn't like them or he doesn't care as in he's not. It's not a concern. It doesn't keep him up at night. Right. Yeah. Like the yeah. great Jeff Jackson, the new AOC, the re representative Jeff Jackson of North Carolina, what, 14th Congressional District, said on TikTok the other day in a TikTok <laughs> that has since gone viral. Oh, my he God. He said, most of these people you see so upset about issues, they're not that upset. They're just performing for the cameras. And people yeah, love that. I've already moved on to Jeff Jackson now. This is one of the wokest Disney podcasts that's ever been. <laughs> Sorry. Do yeah, we you want to don't you? Keep up. Yeah, I Keep do. Up. You want to talk about Jeff Jackson? So Jeff Jackson, I guess people love Jeff Jackson. Jeff Jackson is He's a good-looking guy. It. He's a great communicator. He's meeting people where they are on TikTok. Whether he should be using TikTok is another matter altogether. Uh but I guess I have to love I love AOC. The great explainer, the great social media star, AOC. And you don't yeah. think Jeff Jackson is coming for her for coming for her crown? He's also on TikTok these days explaining stuff. He was on TikTok before AOC actually. Remember? AOC was rocking Twitter. Jeff Jackson was like Twitter is over. I'm going straight to yeah. TikTok. Now he's on TikTok looking and sounding so good as he explains the minutia of congressional goings on to his listeners going viral as hell. I, don't, I, th I think he's too polished. Wait, what? He's too polished. And maybe that's jealousy speaking. Cal Cunningham vibes, perhaps? He's way more polished than Cal Cunningham. Ma more Edwards vibes. Thinking of these nice, polished white guys from North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. North Carolina will yeah. polish up a white guy. Yeah, they will. Yeah, but yeah, we've been we burned will. in the past by these polished white guys because they're, they're freaks. They're sexual freaks who love kissing <laughs> and cuddling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You think Jeff Jackson might might have a fall from grace, but for now, he's flying high. He's like no. the Space Mountain roller coaster. Disney. That's a great one. Yeah. It's in the dark. Yeah. Jeff Jackson isn't keeping us in the dark, though, as he explains how Congress works. Mm -hmm. He explains that these Republicans probably don't care all that much about trans issues. They just use it cynically as a wedge issue and a fundraising me mechanism. But isn't that sort of NSS? I mean, yeah, I guess so. But it's just, you know, it's like um, it's always good to be reminded of that. I don't know if it makes it comforting or dispiriting. Like, does it make you optimistic or pessimistic to know that most of these Republicans 
probably don't care one way or the other really about trans issues. They're just using it to rile up their base and raise money. Uh, more pessimistic. Yeah. Yeah. And also you can follow a joke all the way into a gas chamber. Like they'll like, like they'll go along with it, destroying trans people's lives, even if they don't really care one way or the other about trans yes. people, just because you can never get off the train. You know what I mean? Right. It's like um, it's different from the alt-right irony leading to real world violence and hatred, but it's like sort of the same dynamic. Like in the end, it doesn't really matter whether you really believe something or not. All that matters is what actually happens in the world, right? Are trans people being harassed? Are they denying kids gender therapy or whatever? You know, like in the end, that's what really matters. So maybe you're right. It is more pessimistic. It should make you more pessimistic. Hmm. Well, this Disney podcast is kind of heavy. Let's say we let's say we lighten the mood with another recollection of a Disney classic. Have you ever seen It's a Small World, Charlie Brown? Uh, It's a small world, Charlie Brown. mm -hmm. It's a small world, Charlie Brown. It's a small world, Charlie Brown. It's a small, small world. That's a Disney ride. It's a small world. And also the Mandalorian, because John, did you know this Hollywood update? Keep it moving. Disney <laughs> owns Star Wars. The Mandalorian is made by Disney. Did you uh, know that? What? I guess I they knew should that have Dis- the Mandalorian fly to a planet and see the Epcot Center and see that big orb. Yeah. Remember we were talking about orbs when we were talking about the Chinese weather balloon and how there are no great orbs, really? Right. Although we did get a listener letter about orbs that we'll get to later. Yeah, we will. But what if the Mandal- What if they shot the Mandalorian? on the Disney set to save money because it looks so futuristic at Epcot Center. (laughs) Now, that's the kind of stuff we like to hear on our Disney podcast, right? And then he's traveling around with his little Yoda, and he's like, well, there sure are a lot of food stalls on this planet. What planet am I on? And then some comedian who's doing a guest role comes up and says, welcome to Disnox, the planet of Disneyox. You can have anything you want here. Why are you looking like that? Are you crying? That's okay. uh, no, we're no. just goofing. I know. I know. I just don't give two flying farts about anything today, so I'm just going crazy. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. All right, let's see. All right, let's settle down. The podcast is called Election Profit Makers, and we're going to talk about politics now. Oh, what's in this goddamn Diane? We're going to talk about. I know. Diane Do we want to Feinstein? talk about Diane Feinstein? <laughs> is going to. Is, yeah. Yeah. Always good when your uh, senators are whatever. Who cares? Biden went to Ireland, so let's have a little jig in celebration. <laughs> Is he still in Ireland? I feel like he's I been he there. Never for- I hope he stays in Ireland for the rest of his term. Yeah, <laughs> he's having a great time, and the British are very upset. Really? Oh, because of the coronation. I don't know. I just keep seeing things on Twitter, which is real life, uh, that uh, they're very upset that they've, I guess they feel like he dissed them. Oh. Have they, is um, King Charles king yet? Have they had the coronation? I don't know. Hmm. What if they, ha- hmm. okay. We'll get back to you guys on that one. Okay. Uh, stay tuned uh, next week. We'll let you know if the king of England has been crowned with the yeah. scepter of madness. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence Thomas is still oh, in the news. Here we go. Just yeah. more weird financial. Actually, you know what? Before you things. get started, let's. We'll be right back with Clarence Thomas news. John, what's the latest in Clarence Thomas news? Oh yes, Clarence Thomas. Um, yeah, a bunch of more disclosures that he hadn't disclosed, and 
I, I don't know. I've sort of lost the plot. I guess he he sold he he sold his mom's house to this billionaire, and mm-hmm. uh, he says he lost money on it. But the billionaire is renting it back to his mom. Rent, but she, or I think letting his mom live there rent free. Rent free. Right. Then there were a bunch of um, things that he put on his financial disclosure. I don't know. I sent you a text about it earlier this week saying I didn't understand it at all. That's fine. I can explain this. Okay. Think of it in terms of, let's see, how can I put this? Think of this in terms of um, the lady and the tramp. Okay. If I can quote a classic bit of Disney IP. Clarence Thomas and uh, the billionaire Harlan Crow, who has the Garden of Evil, are sucking on a piece of spaghetti. Okay, <laughs> getting closer and closer as their ideologies and their and their and their financial interests become a singularity. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> the issue is that Harlan Crow bought Clarence Thomas's childhood home and allowed Clarence Thomas's mom to live in it. And Supreme Court justices are supposed and politicians are supposed to disclose any real estate transaction where the amount of money is greater than $1,000, which I think includes just about every possible real estate transaction, right? Mm -hmm. And Clarence Thomas neglected to do this for years and years and years. He just never put down on a piece of paper that this financial transaction transpired. He mistakenly, perhaps, or deliberately listed income from a real estate trust that actually no longer exists and was dissolved years ago, he kept listing it as a source of income. Now, that could be because he has a similarly named trust that is still uh, operable. And then the other thing is his wife, Ginny Thomas, who we all know and love from her January 6th theories, okay? Talk about Space Mountain, am I right, Disney heads? (laughs) Goofy, the famous Disney character, has nothing on this lady, right? Okay. She earned hundreds of thousands of dollars from either the Heritage Foundation or the American Enterprise Institute, some right-wing think tank that we all know and love for their additions that they've contributed to um, the national discourse. Okay. And Clarence Thomas neglected to put those uh, those monies on his disclosure form. Instead, he said that his wife made, quote, zero dollars per year when she, in fact, made like over six hundred thousand dollars over the course of four or five years. So he is supposed to disclose his wife's finances as well. Yeah. Okay. And he All didn't right. do that. And it's just like, okay, you know, yeah. what, is there, what is there to say? What is there? Why are we talking about this? This is like... Um, this is like Boba Fett, okay? If I can use another piece of Disney. This is like Boba Fett crossed with um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Does Disney own Marvel? Dude. Are you seriously asking me? Yeah. If Disney owns Marvel and Yeah, Star they Wars, own Marvel. Yeah. Do they yeah, really? They I'm going to look it up. Hold on. Does Disney... Does Disney truly own Marvel and Star Wars? No wonder they're so rich. Oh! <gasps> In 2009, the Walt Disney Company acquired Marvel Entertainment for U.S. $4 billion. There's no way. We've got to stop Disney. Look at all this stuff they own. They own Pixar. I knew that. Lucasfilm. And that's Star Wars. And Marvel. Who owns Max? What's Max? It's the big brand. Hollywood. Now we're moving on to a Hollywood update. Goodbye, yeah. Clarence Thomas update. We enjoyed waiting in your waters, but we move on now to a Hollywood update. John, tell us the latest news in HBO. Yeah, the um, <laughs> t- Warner what, what Warner Brothers Discovery oh, man, uh, yeah, has decided on. to change the name of HBO Max to simply 
max and add in a bunch of uh, reality programming onto the app uh, mixed in with all of the the prestige TV shows that HBO does. Uh, and they're dropping the HBO brand and everybody is really upset about it. All because, the snobs, I bet, are upset, right? Yeah, because HBO is such a strong brand, which I, I, <clears throat> I'm thinking that the HBO brand probably still exists just within the app, right? Hmm. I mean, HBO is not going away. No, HBO will still exist. The streaming service will no longer have HBO in the title, but I'm sure there'll be like an HBO page you go to. Right. For those of us, I should say, who love the little static HBO equals at the beginning of the show, I'm sure we'll still get that. Well, then who cares? Right. Who exactly. cares? I, I don't care. I don't care that they- it's, pri- uh, it's a pride thing. You would be mad if UNC changed their uniforms and it no longer said Tar Heels on it and it just said ACC team number six or something. <laughs> it's like that. Think about that, right? Okay. That's an analogy that you understand. I guess, yeah. I got to tell you, man, this whole episode is like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Yeah. Right? Um, hmm. I think at this point we're 20,000 leagues under the podcast. <laughs> Are we in Hollywood update? Can I say, I don't want to talk about Clarence. I don't want to talk about any of this stuff. I want to talk Is about okay? Elon Musk. He says he's going to start something called Truth GPT. It's yeah. a, a maximum truth seeking AI. Okay. That's good. So he's, he's making Nazi robots. Okay. We all knew that was going to happen, right? Okay. Tucker Carlson interviewed Elon Musk. Did you watch that yet? Yes. You watched that? Yeah. How was it? It was incredible. Um, Elon Musk told a bunch of jokes that I'm sure are original. Okay. And Tucker Carlson was laughing out loud at all of them. Tucker Carlson interviewed Trump this week too, didn't he? That's two massive interviews. Within the last week, I think Tucker Carlson interviewed Trump. Trump was talking about nuclear and how nuclear is the N-word and no one wants to say it. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, it's the other N-word. Yeah. He said there's two N words. Right. And then Tucker's penis started rising. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a fascist. Yeah, I said it. Go ahead and try to cancel uh, me. I'll be at Disney right. after dark and Tifa night. Friends, I have a Hollywood update, and this is a good one. No, I want to talk about a movie experience I had last night that really was just something, something, something else is the only way to put it. Something extraordinary. We speak of mountains. We speak about Disney has the Magic Kingdom and they have Space Mountain. And Disney once made a movie called Escape from Witch Mountain, which is like a who's on first type of gig, right? Like Escape from Witch Mountain? But it was really Escape from Witch Mountain, W-I-T-C-H. I saw a movie about mountains last night. It's a movie that I had heard about for years and years. And I was familiar with some of the imagery because it's so legendary. It was made by the Chilean director... What's his name? Alejandro Jodorowsky. It's a movie called The Holy Mountain. And all I have to say is, holy shit, what a mountain. This movie was <laughs> this movie was so spectacular. There were moments, John, I literally could not believe what I was seeing on the screen. And I'm going to say this. CGI can go suck an egg forever. CGI is bullshit. There is nothing like seeing real practical effects on a grand scale and realizing like all these people that I'm looking at doing this insane thing. These are actual people that the director got to do this insane thing. This tower that this dude is ascending and on a golden hook, that's a real fucking tower somewhere. This helicopter landing 
and all the all the deities from different planets getting off the helicopter in the middle of this town square so that they can all shave their heads and take magic mushrooms and go ascend the holy mountain and defeat the seven immortals who turn out to be mannequins. Spoiler alert. Like they actually shot all this real stuff. I can't even tell you also some of the more disturbing and perverted imagery that was in this movie. The soundtrack was incredible. The colors were incredible. I don't, you know, let me say this as long as I'm on my little high horse. You know what else can suck an egg? In addition to CGI is digital projection. I think I was watching an actual film being projected from an actual film projector. The colors were so bright and crisp and great. Movies look like shit these days. What is digital projection? Why does that, how, how is that different? It's not actual film. With digital projection, I don't know how it works, but you're not sending light through translucent through film. film. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I think most movies, someone can write in and correct me. I'm sure there's a movie expert who can correct me. But I think most movies these days, when you go to the movie theater, you're watching digital projection. And that's why it always just seems kind of gray. You know, hmm. like, did you see Jane Campion's movie, The Power of the Dog? Yeah. It had like all this incredible landscapes and stuff. And it like the sentiment, like, this is how I feel these days. Like cinematography can be great, but the looking at it is not great because it's all just kind of, it's not luminescent the way real film is do you know what i'm talking about yeah so you want this 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 opening scene where he's lying on a dusty street covered with flies and marinating in his own urine as the new york times writes that's actually the second shot of the movie oh okay you want that that you want that urine to be brightly colored I want it to be popping john i want it to be popping right you know you go okay. see a marvel movie and it's all cgi like ant-man and it's digitally projected and ant-man's lying on the street covered in his own urine and fecal matter it's like it doesn't mm. look real you know what i mean like i need the real stuff this right. was so illuminating to see this movie because it's all about the quest for like transcendence and all this like tarot deck and all the tarot cards and a bunch of alchemy and stuff oh or? is there very much alchemy that guy turn the guy poos in a glass vessel and then the wizard turns it into gold oh I'm telling you man and they show I mean this is the real deal this movie is the real deal this movie opened my third eye not in terms of mysticism but in reminding me like how crazy movies used to be this movie I can't believe some of the stuff he pulled off in this movie like how did he get all these people to do all this insane stuff it was so exciting <laughs> now there's not much of a story to it I mean there's a, like a questing plot but right. I never truly lost myself in the movie because the whole time I was thinking I can't wait to talk to John about this movie I can't believe what I'm seeing I must remember this one moment so that I can talk to John about the moment when yeah the guy from Pluto is breastfeeding on a, a man with huge breasts that are tiger's heads that are ejaculating milk all over Pluto's face. Like, I must remember this moment. I've never seen this before. It was extraordinary. So anyway, the movie is called The Holy Mountain by Alejandro Jodorowsky. And it was one of the most extraordinary times I've ever had at the movie theater. And again, there were moments, and how often do you think this? There were moments I could not believe what I was seeing. Not only because the imagery was so striking, but because it was made in 1972 or whenever, you yeah. know that whatever you're seeing, Three. they actually did it. Like, this right. is real. They actually covered this person in gloop. Or they right. actually had hundreds of senior citizens pretend to work at this factory that makes toy weapons for children as they brainwash them into teaching them who to hate in future conflicts. Is that the gang of naked boys? Oh, uh, were there any gangs of naked boys running around this movie? There's like, which gang of naked boys? There were like 50 different gangs of naked really? boys. Really? Yeah. Right. 
This movie is nuts. So can I watch this? Can I, can you get it on like Hulu? Can you get it on Max? <laughs> I wish it was on Hulu. I'm sure they're going to remake it like a Hulu adaptation or something. All the right. fucking dude who makes Euphoria will make his own version of the Holy Mountain. So there's no way to see this except for some art house in, in L.A. I don't know if this is touring or I don't know what the context is, but if you can see this movie, guys, and I will say content warning, like there's a, there's a scene. The first time I gasped in the movie, okay. there's a scene where a senior citizen, an old elderly man, scoops out his fake eyeball and places it in the palm of an eight year old prostitute. Okay. So it's like that kind of movie. There's like a lot All of right. surrealism, there's a lot of really extreme stylized violence and sexual acts and just all kinds of stuff just like flying all around. But some of the shots are so tough and cool. And you know who was supposed to star in the movie and be covered in urine? George Harrison of the Beatles. Oh, wow. And then he was like, nah, actually, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, the Holy Mountain, this is a really, 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 it's a real thing, man. It, they really yeah. made it. And everything you see, they really did it. And that's what makes it so exciting and so inspirational. Every single thing I saw in that movie actually happened. That's profound. How many movies can you say that about these days with these damn special effects and computers doing everything? Mm, all of Tom Cruise's movies. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's another reason why that's so exciting. It gives you that same gleeful feeling of excitement. Like, I can't believe they're doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, again, you have this double response where you're reacting to this. You're reacting to the visuals in the context of the film. And then behind that, you're having more reactions because you remember they're actually doing this. And so you right. get double pleasure. Like, yeah, so, so much stuff now. You like, I never feel that like, I go to see a fucking Transformers movie. These robots flying around, turning into cars and buses and whatnot. Yeah. Fighting each other. I should be so excited by that, but I'm not because it's like, those, those are fake. They didn't do that. They didn't yeah. build a robot that turns into a truck and then shoot it in the air. It's all computer cartoons. Yeah. Very interesting, John. There's very in It's very interesting what a real artist can do. Yeah. So do you think we'll ever go back to that time? We just, that, we can't ever go back to that time. It's just too expensive. You know what it reminded me of? Werner Herzog made a movie once where he dragged a whole ship over a mountain in the jungle because that's the plot in the movie. There's a, it's about a maniac who wants to stage an opera in like a, in the rainforest in the jungle. And there's a scene in the movie where or there's a, there's a moment in the story where he drags a full ship, like a sailing ship over a mountain. And Werner Herzog was like, how are we going to shoot this? And he was like, oh, I know what we're going to do. We're going to build a ship and we're going to drag it over a fucking mountain and we're going to film it in real life. And they actually did it. And you watch it, you get so excited and hyped. Wow. It's like that kind of stuff. People just going, uh, people just going for it, you know? Yeah. Now they got us watching these movies where it's like, yeah, you know what we're going to do? We're going to program the computer line six forward slash 602 robot fight 693 parentheses close quote. Yeah. Come on. What is that? Now ChatGPT just writes it. Yeah, exactly. ChatGPT just writes it. And what are we going to do about AI? Think on that. We'll talk about that in a future episode. Okay. Oh my god. Uh, should we go to Should we go to listener questions? <laughs> uh. So these number stickers that are burning up everybody's laptops and water bottles as the water bottles slam into the car doors and destroy everything. These new number stickers were only supposed to be for new Patreons, but if you if you're a current Patreon and you want one of these stickers, I'll I'll send it to you. I'll undercut our own promotional campaign. Just shoot an email to contact at electionprofitmakers.com with your address and I'll throw a sticker in the mail for you. Listeners come first, John. The audience is always right. That's the first rule of Disney. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Everyone remembers when I went to this estate sale and I found a celibate rifles LP. I've been working on that case nonstop trying to crack the mystery. John, we got correspondence from a listener in Australia who might have solved or offers up a potential solution to the mystery. Why don't you read this missive from Luke? Luke writes in, I'm an EPM fan writing from Brisbane, Australia. I just wanted to write you because your story about the celibate rifles record reminded me of the band's front man, Damien Lovelock. He was a cult figure in Australia in the 1990s and 2000s for his music and as a football soccer commentator. The sports broadcasting is a bit strange in retrospect, but I remember watching a lot of it, and he was a very likable fellow and good on TV. After hearing David's story about the record, I looked at Damien's Wikipedia page and then linked through to his father's page. His father, Bill Lovelock, was a songwriter who moved to the U.S. and apparently wrote some early songs for Nina Simone and worked with Burl Ives around the 50s and 1960s, I think. He also worked on a television show called Hollywood and the Stars in the 1960s. Seems roughly plausible that Bill Lovelock and Edward Schofield may have crossed paths. Might not be anything, but I found it interesting nonetheless. This is a great theory, and it sounds like the listener Luke's Luke's theory is that Bill Lovelock met up with Edward Schofield in the 80s. This Celebrate Rifle album came out in 84, I think, and said, hey, my my son just put, out a, just put out a record. I thought you'd like a copy, Edward. Hey, how's your letter writing campaign going to Ronald Reagan? And handed it off as, like a, as a father who was proud of his son's work because they were both working in Hollywood. I would have to know, I would need more information. Did Bill Lovelock remain in Hollywood past the 1960s? Was he in Hollywood in the 80s so that he could hand off his son's record to Edward Schofield in person? Did he mail Schofield the record? I'm going to have to do more research, but this is a great theory. So far, I think this is the most plausible theory because as I confirmed with the with the person running the estate sale, of course, this could not have been Edward Schofield's child's record or Edward Schofield's child's band because Edward Schofield had no children. So there's more there's more investigating to do. I will also say that I reached out via postcard to the person running the estate sale who is the current owner of the house and asked for more copies of Ronald Reagan B actor A president the collected correspondence of Edward Schofield to President Reagan and have as of yet received no reply. But I hope to stockpile copies of this book to keep Edward Schofield's memory alive and hope that somewhere within these pages, I will unlock the mystery of the Celibate Rifles LP being at his estate sale. Now, John, that's a mouthful, but Luke has more to say. Let me read this second half of his letter, okay? Luke continues, something that might interest John is that I am a flood forecaster, and I have spent today tracking tropical cyclone Ilsa off the west coast of Australia. It's just about to make landfall in the next few hours as a Category 5 tropical cyclone. Luckily, the forecast track is away from major population centers. Can you believe that? This guy's a flood forecaster, John. How do you like that? I love it. I do love it. We could have used him in uh, Fort Lauderdale last week. Mm, Those Fort Lauderdale images are nuts. Yeah. John, remember when we were talking about the Chinese spy and or weather balloon, depending on who you believe? And we were talking about the paucity of orbs on American skylines, the fact that we don't have a lot of orbs. 
We got an extraordinary letter and photograph from listener Julian. Julian writes, I was looking through my photos on my phone when I found this one that I had meant to send several weeks ago. When I was flying into Reno for the first time, I noticed a giant white orb gracing the skyline down there. I also happened to be listening to the episode where David was lamenting the lack of giant orbs in his life during the Great Balloon Misadventures. I have no idea what the structure is, but it seems Reno is a city that values a good giant orb. And then there is a picture, and there is definitely, it's a, yeah, the beautiful mountains there. Um, you can see the orb. And I went on to Google Earth and quickly found it. What is it, like a nuclear, it looks like a nuclear don't nuclear plants sometimes have big orbs, big windowless orbs? Maybe, or like, or like one of these spy stations that the NSA uses. But it's right downtown, and that's not usually where they put nuclear power plants. It's actually the Silver Legacy Resort Hotel. It's a 17-room hotel. That thing is, hotel. you can stay in that orb? Yeah. <gasps> I'm going to look that up. Well, the hotel portion of it, I think, is behind it. Uh, it opened in in 1997, and one of the signature attractions is a 120 foot mining rig. I don't know if that's in the orb, oh, but look at this, this orb it glows green. This hotel was featured in the movie Kingpin with uh, Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray. So, uh, oh, it's so it's kind of a new orb. It's a late 90s orb. I guess it kind yeah. of has that vibe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's one orb. We can add it to our or, or orb references. Okay. Thank you, Julian. Katie writes in with a hard tack update. First of all, Katie writes, thanks for these top-notch episodes as always. Oh, thank you, Katie. Each week, I think to myself, no way can they top the last episode. Blood Meridian, Fantastic Forlore, Derrida, Adbusters? Come on now. But then right before my very ears, another perfect 10. The numbers don't lie. See, why can't we get more letters like that? That puts me in a good mood. What a nice thing to say. Thank you, yeah. Katie. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she continues, amid this smorgasbord of affiliational delights, how extra delighted was I to hear Sailor Boy <laughs> Pilot Bread come up? Yeah. This is a staple food for both rural, rural, I hate that word, rural living and urban people's camping trips in Alaska. We grew up having it with peanut butter or smashed smoked fish, but others get way more creative. This Eater.com article calls it indestructible. We've always heard that while it's made in the lower 48, most of it is sold through just our few Costco's up here. I think Katie lives in Alaska. I think that's... I think Katie was the Katie was the one that uh, tipped us off about Mary Peltola. Oh, about Mary Peltola. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, this is a yeah. super listener. For years, she continues, there was a Sailor Boy recipe contest at the annual statewide Senior Native Youth Olympic Games. Truly one of the best athletic competitions out there, she adds, editorially. You could check out some winning recipes in the 2011 media coverage. As far as I know, they haven't brought the contest back since COVID. But it just so happens the 2023 Senior NYO Games are this coming weekend. Naturally, I will be attending. And if I'm wrong about the contest, I'll have my eye out for any Sailor Boy chefs willing to be interviewed by voice memo in Whoa. case that's found newsworthy. Oh, my God, Katie. If you could be our hardtack Sailor Boy correspondent, definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely record some voice memo interviews. Keep them brief, but we'll definitely play them. Yeah. And that, speaking he, of voice memos, John, did you ever ask your parents about that Whitney Houston concert? I didn't. And you know what? Bro. They must not have listened to the podcast because I figured that they would have followed up with me. You need to ask them because Whitney Houston did play the Dean Dome. Yeah. We confirmed that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think they went to that fucking concert. I think there's a decent chance, fifty fifty, they went. You know what? Let me call. Is your dad home right now? I'm gonna call him right now and put him on speakerphone. Okay. Watch this. Watch this. You're saying this isn't one of the greatest podcasts of all time? Watch, watch me call my co-host's dad. You got my dad's number? Yeah, of course I have your dad's number. I'm calling him right now. Okay. Get to the bottom of this right here, live on the air. This is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Your favorite Disney character could never. I'm Baby Yoda right now. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kimball, it's David Reese. How are you? Hey, David. Fine. Good. I'm sorry to bother you. you. Well, I'm recording another episode of our wonderful podcast, Election Profit Makers, with your son, John Kimball. And I have a question for you because we're having a little dispute and only you and or your wife can answer the question. Are you ready? Yes. Back in the 1980s, did you and Mrs. Kimball go to see Whitney Houston live in concert at the Dean Dome? I kind of think you did. I think you guys went to see Whitney Houston. You don't remember that? You know, I would remember that. but um, Damn it. Damn it all to hell. I don't, I don't think so. Um, and she's not available right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure we didn't do that. I would have remembered going to see. Well, well, so where does this memory? Where does this memory come from? I was sure that you guys. Where does John? I think Whitney Houston did come. Yeah, she absolutely did come to the Dean Dome because we found a historical record of. Apparently, she was like complaining throughout the show and was like in a really bad mood. So it was like a a memorable concert. And for decades, Mm -hmm. I thought that you two went on a date to go see Whitney Houston, and I thought that was just like so grown up and sexy. And John was like, there's no way. John said, there's no way. My parents never went to the Dean Dome to see a concert. Oh. Yeah. I, no, I don't think we did. All right. All right. Well, th- I, would have, I would have remembered that. Yeah. I guess it's just a false memory I had. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, it's I'm okay. I, it's, I, wish I-, I wish you had gone, but, you know, we can't turn back the hands of time. That's right. And I can't think of anybody who that was. But, uh, right. You know, all right. Well, give Mrs. Kimball my best, and I'll talk to you later. Okay, David. Have Bye. a good one. Sorry, man. Fuck my life. Yeah. Well, we, just just to oh be safe. God. Just to be safe. We'll <clears throat> we'll talk to my mom. But yeah, ask your mom because maybe somebody wiped your dad's memory. Maybe he was hypnotized. No, that does not uh, seem like. Uh, my dad loves stories, and if he has a memorable story, he's going to tell it many, many, many times. Uh, and so, you've never heard a story about the Whitney Houston show, so that makes no, you think not it, once. I and I would have heard it four hundred times, probably. All right. Um, so, yeah, I think you just conflated it with something else. You probably conflated it with like the Red Ramblers uh, that did the show at Chapel High School with Don Dixon and and uh, remember them? I don't know. Maybe. I'm in a bad mood. Let's stop the episode. I don't know. You got a lot of weird memories of my of my family that's not real. I think. You think that's true? (laughs) I'm just making up fake memories about your family. I don't know. You. What's the other? You. My did. My dad was friends with the sex police or something. No, your dad. We'll 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 save it. Time to get into the sex police. Um. 
And for those of you who don't know, that was a band. That's not an actual. Yeah. It's not an investigative unit of the sexual de- police department. Yeah. John, read yeah. the credits. I want to go to bed now. I'm bummed out. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash election profit makers. And you can send your election prediction questions. To- News alert. News alert. We interrupt this episode of the Election Profit Makers podcast to bring you breaking news. We now join our emergency phone call already in progress. Okay, John, you're on with your mother, and you're both on with me, David. Okay. Hi, um, And Miss. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. <laughs> so I understand you have some news. We have an update to a mystery that's been percolating on our podcast about a Whitney Houston concert at the Dean Dome. Uh, yeah, I I didn't realize it was a mystery, but I yes I. I, I don't know the exact year that David and I went to the concert, but it was pretty soon after the uh, Smith Center opened. John, that was, would have been 86, right? Yes, it would have been okay. uh, around January 1986. Well, I think it was pretty soon after that. I knew it. it was, I can't believe it. I, I knew it. I knew it. Every... I knew it. I knew you went to that concert, Mrs. Kimball. I knew it. I've known it for decades. <laughs> How did you know? I just remember John telling me that, and I never forgot it. I thought it was so sweet that you guys went on a date to a Whitney Houston concert. Like, my parents would never go to a Whitney Houston concert. Well, it was pretty amazing. I I, I remember. I did, do you want to hear more about it? Absol- Are you kidding? Absolutely. Well, I thought she was weird. Um, she, she spoke... Um, about being in the area, as people often do, but she was really negative about it. And people were sort of looking at each other like she's saying really inappropriate things about I'm here in North Carolina and and whatever. I do not at this point remember exactly what she said, except it seemed odd and inappropriate for a performer to to say what she was saying instead of so glad to be here, it's a great area. And um, that's so interesting because when John and I were researching about whether she actually did play the Dean Dome, we found a recollection from somebody who said that she was complaining a lot on stage and that it was an off-putting performance. Yeah. I think he said people left. I don't remember that because she sang beautifully, but um, the very beginning was sort of like surreal. Like, I can't believe she's saying these things i mean um it was just kind of a bit shocking for somebody you know a performer like that was it was every i mean the the dean dome holds what twenty thousand. it was it was packed and people were really excited and yeah that's that, that is exactly what i remember i've always remembered that she was strangely inappropriate uh, in, in what she said to the group, but her singing was great. I mean, that was... That it was, was November 21st, 1987. So, yeah, Boom. It was one of the first concerts, um, because I think the first event was a Carolina Duke game in uh, January of 1986. So, yeah. And the first yeah. concert was a Lionel Richie concert where we snuck through the woods and, and shot bottle rockets at his road crew, which... 
was not cool, but we did that because we were little snots. Oh, I didn't know you did no memory of that. Because uh, because my parents lived, you know, behind the Dean Dome. Yes, and, they absolutely did. And there was a chain link fence that surrounded the property of the Dean Dome, and one and I'm telling you this in confidence. I've already admitted as such to my father, but at one point we stole his wire snippers and cut a hole in the chain link fence that so we would always have easy access to the Dean Dome should we require it in our in our yes. wayward youth. It wasn't a hole. It was just a, like a slit. A flap. We, we made a flap. Yeah. Yeah. We made a flap. John, you were part of this? No, he wasn't. I did this on my own. And if he was a part of it, it was only because I drugged and hypnotized him against his will. <laughs> I do not remember cutting it. I remember going through a chain link fence that had a, you know, had been. I might have cut it on my own and then shared the wealth with you guys. Yeah. I'm so happy to have this memory vindicated because when John insisted it hadn't happened, I didn't take him seriously. But when Mr. Kimball insisted that it didn't happen, I started to doubt my own memory. So I'm grateful for so grateful to you that this actually happened and I'm not losing my mind. This is fascinating to me because I am known for having a very good memory. And David, you are telling me that you learned it from me, that I told you my parents were doing this. And I, I, I'm, I'm shocked that I don't remember. So when dad said that he didn't, that it didn't happen, I was like, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was out when you called earlier and he, when I got back, he said, me had spoken to you and he said no i told him we didn't go i said but we did yes yes were you a whitney houston fan before the show i don't think i was such a great one but i did i thought she was phenomenal julie yeah. liked whitney houston right who did, who did? julie yes our daughter yeah um, definitely liked her and i um i mean at that stage of life i wasn't you know I didn't. I was working. You know, I didn't have a whole lot of time to listen. But I did. I always thought she had a phenomenal voice, and she she did beautifully that night. I was. It was great to be there. Uh, anytime anybody would ask me, "Did you ever see her?" I'd say yes. But she was strange. I wonder if she was already on drugs. You know, she had a lot of substance well, abuse issues. That's what I started thinking too. That, yeah. When I later heard that she had drug problems. That's the first thing I thought of. Oh, I think I, I bet that's what was going on. Yeah, maybe her. she wasn't right. But it was a beautiful concert. She certainly knew how to. She sang beautifully. Well, thank you for um, confirming this decades-old memory I have of you guys going to the Whitney Houston concert. I knew, I oh. knew this had happened. This is extremely. This is this is rare. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> this is a rare victory for Kid Midas. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I take full responsibility. I'm sorry. It uh, is actually, it's kind of rocked my confidence. <laughs> no. All right. I'll see you the next time I'm down in Chapel Hill. Well, Ms. great, Kimball. David. It was great to talk. Nice to, to talk to you too. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye, John. Bye,